Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Mailbox Rose Gallery. I'm Sean. I'm Birch. And we're doing something unprecedented in the world of podcasting. Unheard of until this very day, Until listener. this very day. We're doing a two-parter. Oh. Yeah. So part one of The Beatles. The Beatles. Uh, and in keeping with the ethos of The Beatles, obviously we're recording this entire episode in analogue. Most people usually record podcasts to computers. Uh, we've got the old tape deck. I'm just lining up all the magnets and tapes. And yeah, we're all ready to go. So this is part one of The Beatles. So we're going to do uh, the early years up until 1966. That's right. Cool. Well, where should we start? I'll tell you what, if you don't mind, I just want to uh, share a little bit of creativity oh, on yeah, my go part. On. A little while ago, I wrote a haiku about The Beatles. Oh, that's nice. So a haiku, this, the style of Japanese poems, it's got to be uh, three lines. The first one's five syllables, second one's seven, and then the third one's five again. Yeah, of course. So my Beatles haiku is... John, Paul, George, Ringo, the four names of the Beatles. Bigger than Jesus? I like it. I like it. It's very factual as to who's in the band. Yeah. And it references something that happened. I feel it sums up most of their career, um, probably better than we're going to do in these next two episodes. So actually, maybe I should have done that at the end yeah. of, of, of part two rather than starting off with it. Yeah, tease them with the, the haiku because I think we're just talking to ourselves at this point. Nobody's probably listening now that they've heard the haiku. Now they've heard the haiku, they've gone, oh, I know all I need to know about the Beatles. Yeah. I tell you what, though, it does. I did end it on a question, bigger than Jesus. Yeah. Maybe that's something we can answer over the course of these two episodes. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, episode two, the end of it, we'll be able to confirm or disconfirm whether they are, in fact, bigger than Jesus. So, um, lovely bunch of lads, the Beatles. Yeah, from Lither uh, Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah, you've struggled to say that, like you've never heard the word before. That's, uh, that's how they pronounce it up there, isn't it? Liverpool. Li you're, you're pronouncing liver with like a TH instead of a V? Yeah, lither. Oh, that sounds really... I don't know what it is. When you say that, it makes my skin crawl a little bit. Welcome to Liverpool. It's <laughs> horrible. It's like Vincent Price welcoming you in at the city gates. Well, I went up there a while ago, and uh, basically when I kind of entered the city gates, one of them just kind of looked at me. And he was wearing a white glove, and he just stroked my face and went, Welcome to Liverpool. Oh, that sounds foreboding, to say the least. Yeah. And when you say one of them, I'm assuming you mean a scouser. Yeah. All right, cool. So the Beatles, of course, a very influential band, who formed back in March of 1957. But they weren't always called the Beatles. Initially, they were called the Quarrymen. Because they were all used to work down a quarry, presumably. That, that's right, yeah. Just four lads from the local quarry. Yep. They were mining for coal hmm. and uh, instead stumbled upon some rock and roll. <laughs> oh, I see what yes. you did there. Yes. Uh, okay, that's why they were called the quarry men. Well, I'm telling you, that's <laughs> why they were called the quarry men. I do. So initially it was uh, John's band. I call him John. I mean, John Lennon, of course. Wrong first name terms. Yeah. Um, Little Johnny Lennon. So it was his band. It was a skiffle group. Then, of course, they went by uh, Run DMC for a while. Yeah, and what does the DMC stand for? The DMC okay. in Run DMC. Well, of course, they're from the north, so it stood for Damn Mother Coal. Because, of course, <laughs> they worked in those uh, those coal mines. Yeah, and that was what they were exclaiming all the time. That's right. Well, you see, on one occasion, one of the mines collapsed. and Let's see you make a joke out of this, Birch. <laughs> No, this is, this is not a funny podcast. I think we've established that oh, yeah, the past established 10, that. <laughs> however many episodes we've done. Um, so, yeah, there was a, a terrible mine collapse that John Lennon was walk, working in. His his uh, mother was in there, 
and he shouted, run, mother, damn... What was it again? <laughs> run, damn, mother, coal. Yeah, no, that, that hangs together perfectly. Well, that's what he shouted. That's what I, he shouted. I'm, I, I, I didn't name the band. No, sure. no, fair this enough. This is just what he said, and that's what he said to her. And I guess that moment really stuck with him, so that's why he named the band Run, run DMC. damn, mother, coal. <laughs> So what were these young Liverpudlian lads like then? Give us an insight, as you're you're the resident Beatles historian, so I'm, I'm going to rely on you. Yes, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, um, uh, so they were your typical lads, which is why the British public loved them so much. They were into a bit of thievery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they stole our hearts, Sean. Oh, they, they did, yeah. Well set up, yeah. <laughs> but they also uh, robbed stuff that had monetary value as well. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess you could say rock and roll in the early days. Who stole that from the black man? They did. Again, oppressed musically. I'd just say black culture rather than the black man. Yeah. Like that there was one black man playing rock and roll. <laughs> Down in the street in Liverpool. Yeah. He was just there. It's just like, oh, what's that you playing there, mister? And then he's just like, oh, hi, uh, my name's the black man. And this is uh, some music I made myself called the rock and roll. He wasn't a black man, as in his skin was black. He was just spent too long down the coal mine. That's why he was the black man. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. His, his race was not confirmed because of the coal that he was wearing. Indeterminate race. Yeah, nobody knew. Hard to tell. But, you know, who cares? It's, it's, it's the quality of his character that more than anything. Thank you, thank you for, for saying that. I feel like it's about it's about time someone stood up. Yeah, and, someone and... said it. Yeah, and I think rock and roll really showed us that that you know that race race was not an issue. <laughs> no, not to the music executives. <laughs> <laughs> so in the early days, we've talked about um, they were the Quarrymen. Then they were the Silver Beetles. Yeah, that's right. Then they were the Silver Buttholes. Yeah. Then there were the buttholes, mm -hmm. and then I think they just settled on the Beatles. It was a misspelling. Somebody on a on a poster, one of the promoters had misspelt butthole and put beetle. What initially seemed damaging was probably quite beneficial to I think to it probably career. saved them. Yeah, I think it saved them. They probably wouldn't have got particularly far with a name like the buttholes. No. Well, with the buttholes, that as an album title yeah. isn't, isn't a particularly <laughs> yeah. uh, appealing one. Uh, and if, I mean, the thing is, when you think about it, it does suit them because they were a real bunch of buttholes, the four of them. Yeah, well, particularly in those early days, like um, got into the occasional jape and uh, what have you like in their early days before they were signed and became like this massive phenomena they did spend a period in hamburg so their time in hamburg uh, one of the places that they uh, they played at was at a place called the kaiser keller stage which uh, very prestigious it was uh, the stage itself was just a, a plank of wood on beer crates oh okay yeah very classy place but they were playing a lot of places like that and they made a real name for themselves. It's funny when you think about it, how they're quite a big British band, but their initial rise in popularity came from Hamburg. Yeah, funny really, all those young hamburgers listening to the Beatles mm. uh, singing in English. So do you know why they had to leave Germany? Yeah, it's quite interesting really. Before looking into it, I knew that they had a, a stint there, but I didn't realise quite the, quite the rascals that they were. They were a bunch of little rascals. A couple of them were deported for arson. Did you know that? Yeah. The manager of the club got them deported for arson after they set fire to a condom <laughs> in a concrete corridor. I mean, I know growing up in the 50s, uh, sex education wasn't what it is now. No. I think that we have been quite blessed to have grown up and been taught about these things. I think any fucking idiot can work out that's not what you're meant to do with a condom, though. 
I mean, I think they really were trying to do their best to, to figure out what they were doing with it. Well, they were they were young lads and they just kind of, they were growing up, you know, their bodies were changing and they just wanted to experience sex. And they were just both sat in their room. It was Paul McCartney and Pete Best, wasn't it? Who The ones who set fire to it. Yeah, and they were just kind of there, just sat there, the pair of them, with like uh, one condom unrolled on the bed. And they were just trying to figure out, like between the pair of them, what they needed to do. Tried a myriad of things, eventually just happened upon nailing it to a wall and setting fire to it. Well, I just wondered if it was, you say it was nailed to a wall. My thought was perhaps they put it on McCartney's head and he tried to blow it up like a balloon. But he's, he wasn't a developed singer at that point, didn't have the lungs no. that he needed to blow it up. And they couldn't get figure out how to get it off. So I wonder if, if they just thought, oh, we'll just burn it off McCartney's head. Right, okay, I see. <laughs> sort of like, um, maybe they thought of the way that people uh, smoke out pests like if you've got a, a bee's nest that you're trying to get rid of yeah like you smoke them out so maybe they're trying to smoke mccartney out of the condom just a thought yeah no i can i can see that just like pete best over paul mccartney's forehead with a match <laughs> but yeah i mean it's interesting how how they were quite what looks like to be quite rowdy and rambunctious and not very respectful at all it's amazing that they gained any popularity at all because like for instance john lennon on some occasions, when he'd go up on stage, he'd say, Heil Hitler, and do a Hitler salute. Did he really? Yeah, like, legit. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. He had, like, a, a comb that he'd use for a Hitler moustache. Uh, it's as good as fun as you can have with a, with a comb, I suppose, but that's not to say that it's very funny. No, but, I mean, that is, of course, how the Beatles essentially uh, brought fascism back to Germany for a very brief period. Well, it's some legacy. I'm not sure it's the right legacy, but it's some legacy. Yeah, that's why they never really returned back, because they, they made too many enemies. Of right-thinking, left-wing people. Left-thinking, right-wing people. <laughs> the thing is, what a lot of people also don't realise is that when he went out on stage and went, Heil Hitler, got a, a comb and pretended to make it a moustache, people mistook him for the actual Hitler. And, Risen. And he was, he was trialled for war crimes during that period as well. Finally got him on the stand. Yeah, they, yeah. We, can't, we, we thought he shot himself and had his body burnt. What's this? Yeah, and, um, you know, John Lennon being the uh, devilish young scamp as he was, he just kept up the act. Yeah. You know, he just had them going for months and months. Mm. He was on trial on the stand. And, I mean, I think it was when they were, when he got the death sentence, he went, uh, you know, this is, I'll probably take this a little bit too far. Took his hand down. They're like, well, the moustache disappears. Yeah. They're instantly like, well, who the hell's this? Yeah. The moustache is gone. Who who the bloody hell are you? And what did he say? I'm John Lennon. And he uh, like, okay, well, I'll tell you what, well, we have to let you go now. You've made a fool of us all. As a nation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just a crazy little prank. But, you know, they made an impression on the city. Mm-hmm, certainly. So this is all taking place in the early 60s. At some point they released some albums, get huge i'm not sure we need to go into that do we no the music's largely irrelevant to them i agree yeah i agree well i'm glad one of us said it and then at some point went over to new york and met a little old little old young man called bob dylan and uh he introduced them to what i think might be one of the most influential things in their lives which is marijuana that's right yeah you can it's it's funny you can definitely see a kind of turning point in their in their music and i think this is really why i think that they are rogues because i don't know if you know this i'm not sure if you're aware marijuana is actually illegal what yeah it's illegal to smoke it well what were they doing with it well they were smoking it and, like, and they knew it was illegal they knew they knew it was illegal yeah and 
do you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Bob Dylan knew that it was illegal when he gave it to them. This is why they had to go all the way over to New York to try it, because there wasn't any in the, the UK. No, yeah, famously, there's no drugs here. Well, we're, we're straight-laced folk. Yeah. We don't no. mess about with things like that. A little tipple on a Sunday afternoon when watching the cricket, but that's about as far as it goes. Exactly. A small glass of brandy, some sherry after dinner, absolutely fine. Mm. But no, nothing more. The Queen wouldn't allow it. No, no, of course not. Nor should she. No, no. I mean, and, uh, you know, don't forget, I'm not sure if any of our international listeners are aware of this, but she's obviously got her uh, flying swan police patrolling the skies at all points. They can peer in through windows quite well. They can see what you're up to. They, they keep a close eye on us, and I'm grateful for it. Well, I mean, like, 66 really seems to be the year where they really uh, turned into rogues, you could say, because it was uh, around that time as well. But in an interview with the Evening Standard, John Lennon had this to say. Christianity will go. It will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue about that. I'm right and I'll be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Jesus was all right, but his disciples were thick and ordinary. It's them twisting it that ruins it for me. Well, I'm sorry, John, that it ruined it for you. Uh, a lot of people seem to quite like Christianity. And Millions like... of people all over the world. It's just it's controversial. I think they were actually um, banned from most radio shows in... I know in Spain and South Africa and Holland, they were almost like completely disallowed any airplay. And the Vatican issued a statement on it as well. Yeah, they denounced John Lennon's comments. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's quite anti-Vatican, what he said. Yeah, I didn't know what kind of stance they were going to take. I didn't know whether they were going to be for or against. You thought it could go either way. Yeah, it's hard to tell with the Vatican. Mm, yeah. Ku Klux Klan, they uh, picketed their gigs. If the Klan don't agree with what you say, you know, like real moral arbiters, then you're obviously doing something terribly wrong. <laughs> That's true, yeah. They are a benchmark of morality, aren't they? <laughs> Uh, I hope nobody ever just cuts out that bit that we just said and uses that against us. Should we say something kind of quite opposite, just so that's on the record as well? Yeah, sure. Ku Klux Klan are a bunch of cunts. Okay, I agree. There we go. That's sort. That's I, that sorted. I finally said it. Yeah. It feels good. <laughs> yeah. Get it out. Get it out. Oh, a bunch of wankers. Oh, oh yeah. Twat. Oh, yeah. I can see you relaxing as you say it, actually. It's clearly been on your mind. A weight has been lifted. Well, you know, I come from a, a clan family. And uh, it's, it's just nice to be able to come out of the clan closet, as it were, and say, I like people of all races, you know? Very brave of you to say. No, I know. Well, the podcast is out there now, so they're just going to have to accept it. Well, if they uh, disavow you and uh, you're kicked out of your clan, you know, I've got a sofa you can kip on. Oh, that's, that's good of you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> you got any uh, favourite Beatles songs from that era? Let me just have a think. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's all trash. Yeah, no, it's all right. I liked um, Wonderwall. That was one of theirs, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I'm still waiting to find out what a Wonderwall means. So, uh, McCartney, if you're listening, let me know. You can get in touch at mailboxrogesgallery at gmail.com. Or at Twitter, at mailboxrogues. Brilliant. Because famously, they wrote a lot of songs and they had so many hits. They were a regular hit machine, I would say. Uh, they would just sell their songs on to other artists, wouldn't they? Uh, never record them themselves. And then that artist would go on and have huge number one hit mm. just from this Beatles song. Yeah. Um, you think of any examples? Beatles songs that were recorded by other people? Yeah, well, they uh, did the original uh, theme song to the Six O'Clock News. Yeah. And, I mean, the royalties, they get paid for that because that song 
plays every day. At six o'clock, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah. It's quite a simple one. Yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah. I mean, it's their early days. They were just starting out. Yeah, they yeah. That. They, they were just kind of getting into music. And they recorded all those bongs. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, they wrote Bat Out of Hell for Meatloaf. That was one of their most accomplished works at mm-hmm. that time. He changed it a little bit. Originally, it was Bat Out of Hull. Of course, kind of going with their yeah. English lad roots. That's what, that's what the song was about. It was literally about a bat that was trying to flee Hull. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if I was from Hull, I would be fleeing. I think between Hell and Hull, I think I know which one I'd rather be in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very famous, like, Liverpudlian expression around that time. Like a bat out of Hull, I'd be gone when the morning comes. Yeah, well, they're... Opposite coastlines, probably a bit of a rivalry going on there. Yeah, definitely. Made a good buck during those days. I mean, not just from the the merchandise and and the album sales of their own, but like all the music that they gave to other people down the line, like the amount of albums and songs that they put in these safety deposit boxes Mm. only to be opened on this particular year. Like it's because of them that we've got bands like Led Zeppelin, Wham, Last Ketchup. Kesha, TikTok. That was the Beatles original. That was yeah, that was the Beatles. That was Lennon McCartney. Mambo number five by Lou Bega. Mambo's number one to five. Yeah, all of the Mambos. It wasn't just number five. Just a side note, do you know where Lou Bega's from? Lou Bega. Um Lou Bega, singer of Mambo number five. Take a well, guess I'm, as to where he's from. I'm remembering back to the old days back in primary school, seeing that music video on the TV. Yeah. He was wearing your kind of like thirties and forties New Orleans kind of style with the music video and everything. And it's kind so, of a samba sort of song it's got a kind of latin sort of roots hasn't it so maybe um havana german <laughs> lou Baker is german isn't that weird? <laughs> <laughs> that is weird that is weird i mean that Mambo was number <laughs> and uh, again this goes back to the fact that the beatles wrote that for him because as much as i love germans i don't think they could have come up with a song that laid back it's just not in their blood. Their oh. blood sausage blood. Yeah, I wonder if they wrote it when they were in Hamburg as well. It probably, yeah, it probably makes sense. Do you know what it was? They probably just like uh, scribbled it on the wall of a, of a club somewhere and then Lou Baker was a janitor there 40, 50 years later. He's just like sweeping up and whistling and then he looks up and sees this musical notation written on a wall in uh, a cubicle of a toilet. It's like, Mambo number fumph. Oh, I could do something with this. And a star was born. Absolutely. Still shining bright Still today as ever. Bright. <laughs> Lou Bega. <laughs> oh, look who's just walked in the room. It's only John Lennon. Hey, you're right there, Sean. Oh, I'm very well, thanks, John. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, you know, considering I'm dead. Yeah, I mean, you were shot in 1980, if I remember. Uh, uh, no, I was shot in the head. <laughs> okay. uh, your classic, your classic Beatles oh, wit. My little wit hasn't left me there, Sean. Oh, there you go. Yeah, well, oh, so John, John's just walked off. Who's this walking through the door now? It's only Ringo Starr. Hello there, Sean. It's me, Ringo Starr. Hi, Ringo. How are you? I'm very well. I'm Ringo. That's I know, yeah, you've said that already. Um, but how are you? How is anyone... Oh, that's a good point. I mean, what's funny is um, John Lennon was just here, and although he's been dead for about 30 years, he was looking a lot better than you are, if you don't mind me saying. Well, you know, uh, since uh, Thomas uh, dried up, you know, like the 
the conservatives they, they're just kind of like hiking up these rail prices and no one cares about trains anymore you're talking about thomas the tank engine i take it there well, that's right yes what else would i be talking about oh sorry i mean a lot of people remember you more fondly as the drummer from the beatles and forget that you actually narrated the first series from the what the beatles do you remember the beatles love what what train that, was that no it wasn't a train it was a band uh, a band of musicians you were actually in it you used to play do you, drums do you remember drums drumming no see this is what i was worried about you narrated the first series of thomas the tank Engine. yes yeah, i did i did you that did, you remember that do you <laughs> i yeah. did that good fun was it oh it was great the yeah. best time of my life said thomas <laughs> what what no don't worry it's just a little joke um well, it's been lovely to see you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is there any parting words you want to say before you go? Um, uh, trains, bye. <laughs> well, that was Ringo. James, did you catch... I know you you sort of went into a, a little bit of a sleep there. Kind yeah. of, yeah. I just stood on the sidelines just listening to what they had to say. Two interesting guys. Don and Ringo, yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, and the door's opening again. Look, he's coming through the door now. It's only Paul, Paul McCartney. Oh, you're right there, Sean. It's me, Paul McCartney. All right, Paul, yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely you could show up. How are you doing? Oh, you know you know me, Sean. I'm, I'm a vegetarian. I just live the vegetarian life. Um, I uh, stole a few apples from a tree earlier, you know, uh, apple theft. Apple theft, right. I don't know what that's got to do with vegetarianism. That's how we live, because, of course, we uh, we can't fund our vegetarianism, Sean, so we have to resort to uh, to theft. Paul, you've got to be one of the richest musicians in the world, living or dead. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm frugal, Sean. I'm just a frugal guy. You're, well, you're, I know you're just a, one of these crazy lads from Liverpool. If there's one thing that can be said about me, John, George, and the other one, it's that we were just four guys. Just four guys, yeah. That's all we ever were. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. Well, I don't... I mean, I'm, I think you probably amounted to a little bit more than that. Well, I'm, I'm a legend as well, yeah. Yeah, a legendary guy, yeah. Yeah. Um, legendary apple thief. Yeah, I guess in some circles you could say my apple thievery has become uh, a subject of notoriety. How would you rather be remembered, as an apple thief or as a musician? Well, for me, Sean, they kind of go hand in hand, you know. Uh, you can't really write a class song without stealing a few apples. And, of course, you did famously found the Apple Records company, didn't you? That's right, I did, and that was really at the, uh, the start of my apple thievery. Right, okay. Was this like you were all sat around the boardroom table, scratching your head, trying to remember what an apple looked like? Well, I was, um, we were sat there, you know, Sean, in, in the boardroom, just talking, spitballing ideas, really. And, uh, John was doing heroin. Ringo. John was doing heroin? Yes, you know, that's what we did back then. Right. And Ringo was playing with a train set. And, uh, George was just eating a, a massive pile of poppadoms. And I just was munching on an apple. And I thought, Wait a minute. Why don't we call it Pop It On Music? And the other said, no, that's a bad idea. Saw my apple and said, why don't we call it Apple Music? And said, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, okay. So um, certainly your apple thieving really played into that then. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, it's funny you mentioned trains. Um, Ringo came in and was just talking about them. Have you have you spoken to him lately? He's, he's losing the will to live, Sean. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about him. Now, with all these reboots and remakes and everything like that, don't you think that they could bring back Thomas the Tank just for poor old Ringo? Sorry, Thomas the Tank or Thomas the Tank Engine? 
Thomas the Tank Engine. I mean, they could have tanks in there as well. They do exist, you know. Well, just uh, what I want to know is, Paul, are you suggesting that Ringo Starr be the star of a rebooted Thomas the Tank Engine film, but it's redone as like a, a World War II film about tanks? Well, I mean, he's always been a star in my eyes, even when his surname was Starkey. He's always been a star to me, and I could really see him playing all of the trains. That's very, very sweet of you to say, yeah. Um, well, it's been lovely to have you. I think I can see over there, George Harrison seems to be hanging around. I'll just, uh, I'll just go get, I'll give you George. Oh, all right, George. Uh, yeah, is he all right? Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. It's me, uh, George Harrison. You're looking well. Thank you, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling well. This is a good time to be alive. What? Now, hang on. If I remember correctly, you're not alive, are you? Okay, the uh, the jig is up. I'm uh, spending most of my time now as a, a vampire. Oh, a vampire? That's right. Fascinating. How did that come about? Well, you know, short, shortly after I died, I entered this uh, eternal plane and I met God. And he was me and you and everyone in the world who's ever existed. Just this endless cycle of oneness. And he asked me what I wanted. I just said, I want to be a vampire. He said, fair enough. Brilliant, yeah. He just brought me back. I take it was a fan of your music. I don't think most people get wishes granted by God, do they? Oh, everyone loves the Beatles. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Just out of interest, did you meet Jesus? And did he have anything to say about your colleague John's words about being bigger than him? Well, of course, because John entered that plane as well of uh, eternal being when he died as well. Mm, I've actually just spoken to him. Mm, that's right. And we just meet Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, and you know what? We stood them next to each other, got our tape measure, and John was right. He's bigger than Jesus. He's just a little bit taller. Very short man was Jesus. Right, yeah. Well, it was he, 2,000 years ago he was alive. Diets were very different. Genetics were very different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad that we finally put that to rest. Oh, so am I. I'm glad, too, that we've uh, got it out on this uh, broadcast, whatever it is we're doing. Yeah, more of a narrow cast, but yeah, I'm glad that you and... Uh, so you and John both vampires. Has that affected your life? Well, I'm a, I'm a vampire. Um, John's just a, just a dead person living. Right, okay. I specific... Can't keep a good man down. No, so they say, and uh, he doesn't have the fangs like me, and uh, I can turn into a bass at will. Well, um, George, it's lovely speaking to you. I, I feel I've been hogging you a little bit. I just thought I'd hand you over to my co-host, Birch, and see if he's got any questions for you. Well, I'm an, I'm an interesting guy, so, um, Birch, do you, do you have, any, uh, have any questions? Yeah, well, uh, one th what the bloody hell's happening with your voice? It, uh, it's a bit all over the shop, isn't it? Yeah, I've it? noticed that, actually. He's gone a bit James Mason. Well, uh... James Mason, I met, I met him as well, up in the Eternal Plane. He's doing all right for himself. He's got a book he's up there. But my voice, you know, when, once you've died and become a vampire, it's very hard to kind of stick to one life and, and one way of living. And that includes one way of speaking. So I, I guess you could say that's why my voice is a bit choppy. Is yeah. that a good enough answer for you, you prick? I guess it'll have to be. Yeah, sorry, didn't mean to cause any offence. No, yeah. none, none taken, I suppose. Yeah. What do you reckon, Bert? Should we get John Lennon back? He was a bit more fun. He was a nice guy. Yeah, let's let's bring him back, a wacky John. Sorry, hey. George. Well, fine. I'll go bugger off then. Hey, right there. How's it going, guys? Hey, John's back. Hey. The fun one. Madman John. Hey, yeah. I've got a few tinnies here. Do you want one? Oh, beautiful. Cold one. Thanks, John. Oh, get on, John. Cheers, mate. And you know what else I've got in my pocket here? What was that, John? I've uh, got a bit of uh, Lucy in the Sky with diamonds, if you get what I mean. What, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Are you talking about recreational drugs? You got it, big man. 
I feel like it's a bit of peer pressure. Oh, come on. No, don't be such a square. John, come on, don't be mean. I don't don't really want any. What about you, Birch? How often are we going to be in this position where a beetle, a dead beetle, at that, offers us drugs? Well, now I'm really feeling the peer pressure. Fuck it. Give us one, John. That's that's what I'm talking about. Now, just take that there. Thank you. Oh, Birch, you've had a whole sheet of acid there. You're going to make to take one tap. Jesus Christ. (laughs) You're going to go to the moon and back. What? I wasn't meant to eat a whole sheet. No, no, just one little tab, mate. Now, calm down. Calm down. That's the first rule. Jesus Christ. Um, I've got another sheet here, Sean, if you want one. What, a sheet or a tap? I'll just... We're all doing sheets now. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it. I'll just take a sheet myself. All right, okay. This is going to be a strange podcast the rest of this. Right, okay. Come on. Do your sheet. Right, okay, I've done mine now. Very tasty sheet, I've got to say. It's like a lasagna sheet. Yeah, <laughs> it's very unorthodox to print LSD onto lasagna sheets, but it works. I thought so too, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, cooked pasta isn't usually the kind of conduit you get for drug taking. That's a very fair statement, I think. Well, look, I think me and Birch are going to be tripping our balls off for the rest of this episode. Yeah, me too, man. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, maybe it's it's time for you, the rest of you Beatles to head off and we'll just carry on doing the rest of the podcast you don't want to hear us do a song <laughs> i'd love to hear you do a song yeah you have the chance i'm i'm, I'm going goodbye no, come on i want to hear no, a song no that's it birch can you believe you didn't do a song when was the last time anyone ever saw four of them in a room together i know and you just turned down a fucking <sighs> song with them i didn't know that's what he was going to suggest jesus <sighs> well i'll be kicking myself for that one mm. literally after all this acid <laughs> So there we have it, the Beatles, just four lads from Liverpool. Four crazy lads from Liverpool. And we're wrapping up, but this isn't the end. What? It's not the end. You know this. We talked about it at the start of the episode. We're going to do a part two about the Beatles. Oh, yes, of course. There's more. The Beatles' career is far from over at this point, my friend. Ooh. We're only in the mid-60s. So let's say adieu for now. But before we do, let's just mention you can get hold of us at the mailbox rogues gallery at gmail.com. That's right. You can also get us on Twitter at mailbox rogues. Uh, we're on Facebook and please leave a review on iTunes and give us a rating. That really helps. If you like the podcast, that is. Yeah. If well, you don't, just keep stum. Yeah, don't worry about it. Tell all your friends again if you like it. You can listen to us on iTunes, on Podbean, and also on YouTube. And to see us out, We're just going to have one final quote from John Lennon. Take us away, John. Final quote. Well, you're putting me on the spot here a bit uh, there, Sean. Um, If I had to give you a quote, I'd uh, give you a quote that they used to say to me back when I was uh, a canary down in the mine. They'd say, a shovel full of coal is worth nothing unless you come home to a woman you love and eat that coal with them. That's very poetic, John. Thank you very much and uh, good night. Uh, Good night. And Birch, are you going to say goodbye? I suppose I could. Yeah. Toodles. Toodles. Bye.